Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to have you back for another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. And we cover it all from the piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We like looking at the forecast and seeing several days with rain chances but are we going to get enough to be ready for spring planting? I'm James Hunt, and I'll bring you that story on Texas Ag Today. The impact of the drought on cotton infrastructure on the Texas South Plains and Panhandle. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas is almost two months from the Valentine's Day freeze. Well, things are looking up, and we'll talk about it in today's report. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Another week has gone by, and the drought has gotten worse. Jessica Domel takes a look. Drought continues to worsen across Texas. According to the Texas Water Development Board, nearly three-quarters of the state is suffering from moderate, severe, extreme, or exceptional drought. That's up five percentage points over the past week. It is 55 percentage points higher than the same time last year. While conditions did deteriorate in most areas, there is a small bright spot in this week's drought report. There has been slight improvement in drought in the Texas Panhandle. Meanwhile, parts of the South Plains, West Texas along much of the New Mexico border, and much of the Rio Grande Valley are experiencing exceptional drought. The Water Development Board says that statewide water supply storage has dropped below 82% of total capacity, the lowest level this time of year in the past six years. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The recent jump in corn prices is continuing to help boost sorghum prices. Texas A&M Grain Marketing Specialist Mark Welch says we've also seen a huge swing in the sorghum basis here in Texas. You bet. And, uh, of course, sorghum has, has had a, a couple of things, you know, as you just mentioned. First of all, you know, sorghum is going to be a, a price follower to corn in the feed grain market. And so certainly a rally in the corn market is good for grain sorghum. But in addition to that, you know, if you go back over about the last year, we've seen uh, grain sorghum prices in Texas, you know, trading about, uh, you know, 40 or 50 cents below the price of corn to a 40 to 50 cent premium to the price of corn. So we've had a, a dollar uh, a switch in the price of grain sorghum just relative to the price of corn. So you got the price of corn higher to sorghum higher, and then that price ratio or relationship between sorghum and corn higher, uh, that this move has really been good for the sorghum market. 
The recent USDA planting intentions report showed farmers intending to plant about a million acres more sorghum here in 2021. With the drought worsening on the Texas High Plains, will there be enough moisture to get spring planting started? James Hunt looks for an answer. We are right at the time some area farmers would like to be getting started on planting corn. But according to Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell, there's a lot of uncertainty out there. People are really on the fence right now about jumping into the field too quickly due to a lack of soil moisture and just the current drought situation. Much of the Texas Panhandle got some good moisture in March, but a string of warm and windy days that followed likely dried out a lot of the benefit area fields received from those rain and snow events. Well, this week we find ourselves having entered a new situation, various weather forecasts suggesting this current period of cooler temperatures and the potential for rain could last for several days. So is this maybe what farmers have been waiting for? Here's what I got from Dr. Bell when I asked her, what do we really need to get our fields sufficiently ready for the beginning of planting? We are really in a situation where we need several inches of rain, but we need that rainfall to come over two to three days, slow and steady, give the field time to take in that water and store that water. We'll have to wait to see how much precipitation we do get around the region in the next few days. Unfortunately, however, based on what the meteorologists are saying, it doesn't sound like we're going to receive the kind of quantity Dr. Bell suggests would be ideal. So we are likely to see some area farmers choosing to pre-irrigate in hopes of providing their fields with adequate subsoil moisture. One more quick note from Dr. Bell specifically for area sorghum farmers. If you haven't already purchased your seed for this season, be advised supplies of some hybrids might be getting short. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Drought is also causing concerns for the Texas cotton industry. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest today from Lamb County in the town of Sudan is Brent Nelson. Uh, he is up on the South Plains, and he is president of Plains Cotton Growers. And uh, Brent, uh, uh, you uh, recently addressed cotton farmers from your region at uh, Plains Cotton Growers annual meeting. Some uh, issues that uh, you addressed with them is certainly the severity of the drought up there. Talk about that. Yes, we're in a, we're in a severe, severe drought, especially from Lubbock West up here. Where I'm at right now, we had about seven inches of rain all last year. And we've basically gone all the way through uh, through the winter with no moisture, and here we're fixing to start another planting season again, and it, it could not be drier. And certainly this is having an impact on uh, the infrastructure when it comes to uh, the cotton industry up there. Uh, talk about uh, how uh, that's being impacted. I think the infrastructure is really in being impacted more than actual producers are right now. We've had, thanks to all the organizations, Cotton Council, Plains Cotton Growers, uh, Southwest Council of Agribusiness, we had several lifelines, as you might say, from last year through all the coronavirus aid and various things like that. But uh, but the infrastructure pretty much only had the PPP program to fall back on. And so they're, they're the ones that, between the short crops and the, and the pandemic, they're taking it harder than we are, in my opinion. Talking about infrastructure, I'm talking about cotton gins, cotton warehouses, uh, uh, cotton oil mill, cottonseed oil mill. You know, the whole the whole system there really needs a good crop. 
Yeah, certainly uh, the rural communities uh, in your area are uh, feeling uh, the brunt of all of this. Oh, oh most definitely, most definitely. Uh, and this is this is this is uh, not a one-year deal. We, we're really coming across about at least two two to three years of subpar production around here. And through all this, Brent, though, there is a bright spot. Uh, what is that bright spot, and uh, what do farmers have to look forward to? Well, the bright spot, as far as the, as the farmers go, as far as cotton farmers go, is we we've, we've got uh, a very good federal crop insurance price. Uh, Upland cotton right now, I believe the price is set for revenue protection is set at eighty three cents. With it. and then if you add the cottonseed endorsement uh, to it, that's about another nine and a half cents. So we're looking at about ninety four. 94 cents. So if we do stay in this drought, at least we do have some fairly fairly good crop insurance protection for the producers. Those comments from Brent Nelson. He is a cotton farmer on the South Plains of Texas and also president of the Plains Cotton Growers. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It has been about two months since winter storm Uri blasted the Rio Grande Valley. Jim Hearn reports from Extreme South Texas. It's been almost eight weeks from the Valentine Day freeze, and things are getting back to normal. And with all the row crops replanted now, they've made a good progress as far as catching up. And with all the valley crops, irrigation crews are still working overtime to keep up. Now, many of our citrus trees are starting to show a little bit of life. Maybe there will be live wood about six to eight feet high, while others only two to three feet. Growers are starting to prune trees. The young trees are hand-pruned, older trees with uh, hedging equipment. Some of the trees have started to bloom sporadically, but a commercial crop really remains in doubt. The valley has been dry, and this is worrying many. Drought conditions are starting early this year. We need a good general rain. Another problem is that the the range fire, several fires, particularly on the east side of the valley, has consumed hundreds of acres of grassland. The freeze has left the grass brittle, and weather systems have dropped humidities to very low levels. The perfect recipe for a range fire. The onion crop is getting closer to harvest. Many onions may have escaped the freeze damage, but we'll have to wait a little longer to make that assessment. Water levels at Falcon and Amistad continue to decline with irrigation water in high demand. This is Jim Hearn reporting from the Rio Grande Valley for Texas Ag Today. Creating small brush piles could be good for quail. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And grass tetany can be a problem for spring lactating beef cows. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. 
We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Well, it is the time of year that you need to be watching out for grass tetany in your lactating beef cows. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more. An unusual behavior, unsteady gait, and difficulty rising are all signs that could be related to grass tetany. The condition usually occurs in cows in early lactation, and grass tetany is due to inadequate magnesium in the diet, as magnesium is necessary for nerve contraction and muscle function. Dr. Paul Beck from Oklahoma indicates at Drovers.com that cattle with grass tetany become excitable, develop muscle tremors, have difficulty breathing, and will die in some cases. Cattle with grass tetany are likely to be very aggressive toward humans. So be careful checking these cows, especially after successful treatment, as they will try to run you over. Also, be careful running these cows through the chute to treat them, as excitement will cause many to go down in seizure. To determine if the pasture is at risk for grass tetany, forage testing for calcium, phosphorus, magnesium, potassium, sodium, and sulfur can be performed, and a ratio greater than 2.2 potassium to calcium and magnesium is likely to result in grass tetany. Wheat and oat pastures are a big risk because rapidly growing pastures have increased potassium and this blocks the uptake of magnesium. Lactating cattle are also losing magnesium through the milk and if they are not getting enough magnesium from the diet, grass tetany can occur. Treatment of cattle with grass tetany includes an intravenous infusion of calcium and magnesium and removing the animal from the susceptible pasture. Prevention of grass tetany requires feeding a high magnesium mineral with 10 to 12% magnesium oxide, and each cow must ingest 3 to 4 ounces per day. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Creating small brush piles can make very good quail habitat. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. On our last show, we told you that burn piles can become a good habitat for wildlife before they're burned. Today, we're once again joined by Chase Brook, Collin County Extension Agent for Agriculture and Natural Resources, to discuss that process. The first thing with creating habitat using brush piles is understanding there's a specific way to go about it, right? You can think of it like you're trying to build a house for them. You get your bigger trunks and limbs and you want to lay them down hatched kind of like Lincoln logs stacked up a bit topped with more leafy boughs and what that does is it gives some good nooks and crannies for the birds to fit into easily and escape predators while still being able to look around outside. Now over time those brush piles are going to deteriorate and then that's when you start looking at burning them etc. As landowners create these burn piles it is important to construct them away from overhanging brush that can easily catch fire and from other structures. When I talk about these brush brush piles for habitat. You know, they're not the big brush piles that are commonly seen. These are going to be maybe about 10 foot in diameter, maybe about six feet tall. So they're not large. Quail don't necessarily need a huge brush pile, but what they do need are more of them. Oftentimes these piles can be used to connect other habitat. Think of it kind of like rest areas along a highway. When you're placing them, the general rule of thumb for quail is about a softball toss away, maybe like 200 feet at most. The important thing is to connect areas that wildlife are foraging in and moving to. 
Again, today's comments were from Chase Brook. He is the AgriLife Extension Agent for Agriculture and Natural Resources in Collin County. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Well, it has been somewhat of a bearish week for the cattle market so far this week. However, cotton and grains did move higher on Tuesday. We'll take a look back at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Here's a thought for Earth Day. American farmers are the original conservationists. They preserve the land, grow more food with fewer resources, and protect nature season after season. That's why commitments from Syngenta's Good Growth Plan focus on three key goals, helping farmers, accelerating innovation to support climate resiliency, and improving sustainability of agriculture for future generations. This message is brought to you by Syngenta as we celebrate this year's Earth Day theme, Restore Our Earth. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The pullback continues this week in the cattle market. We ended up closing lower Tuesday for both live and feeder cattle futures. April live cattle down 32 cents, 122.40. The June down $1.17 at 120.92. August live cattle down $1.05 at 120.90. Same thing in the feeder market. April feeder cattle down 205, 142.45. May feeders down 237 at 147.32. The August down 242, closing at 158.15. Cash fed cattle market, all quiet so far. No sales reported Tuesday. The bids, well, no bids reported from the packers, but we do see some asking prices starting to develop at 125 and higher. Boxed beef prices were mixed Tuesday. Choice down a dollar sixty, two sixty nine eighty one. Select up seventy four cents, two sixty six ninety. Let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. Neighbor, let's get started with Jody Fry from Producers in Cargill. They sell them in San Angelo every Thursday. Jody, how many noses did you count? 1400 was today's total. The slaughter cows and bulls steady to $2 lower. Tibbs and yearlings, really good demand on those. Call them at least firm to $2 higher. A nice offering of pears and bread cows, they sold steady. Steers, four to 600 pounds steer calves, better quality calves, 130, all the way up to a high of 190, mostly 140 to 165. Six to 800 pound steers, 110, up to a high of around 160, mostly 125 to 145. Better quality heifer calves, four to 600 pounds from 115 up to a high of 160, mostly 125 to 145. Slaughter cows averaged to high yielding. The bulk of those cows counted from 52 to 64. Did have some of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 65 to a high of 71. Thinner and lower yielding type cows, still some of those, 33 to 49. Slaughter bulls averaged to high yielding from 70 to 86. Just a few of those highest yielding slaughter bulls from 87 to a high of 95. Bred cows and heavy bred two-year-olds averaged to better quality. Some groups of those not that many on offer, but they traded counter from 750 to 975. Did have several uh, separate cow-calf pairs. Your 
better quality. Uh, some of your choice sets of cow-calf pairs, anywhere from 1100 to a high of 1335 What are we set up to see next week? I think we'll bounce back on numbers on these sheep and goats. You know, small chances of rain, but but warm weather. I look for us to get back to at least six to 7000 and, and sure it could be more. Uh, Noah, some cattle coming again next week, so probably 1000 to 1200 cattle next Thursday. At Producers and Cargyle Sheep on Tuesday. Cattle on Thursday. Jody Fry, tell me how to get a hold of you. You bet. Call us there at the office at 325-653-3371. My mobile phone's 234-7895. You've been listening to Jody Fry from Producers and Cargyle and me, your host, Larry Marble. We are walking the pens from the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs close mixed with a nearby April down 12 cents, 103.40. May hogs up 52 cents, 104.92. Class 3 milk was lower. April milk down 26 cents, 17.60. May milk down 50 cents, 19.46 a hundredweight. It was another turnaround Tuesday for the cotton market. We saw a big drop in the cotton market on Monday. We turned that around Tuesday to finish higher. Not a whole lot of news in this market other than the fact that USDA reported the 2021 cotton crop now 8% in the ground. And the other factor traders cannot ignore the weather situation right here in Texas. As we've already mentioned, every week that goes by, the drought seems to get a little worse. And we're getting closer and closer to cotton planting on the high plains. So that is definitely going to be a factor moving forward. We close with nearby May cotton up 168 points, 81.82. New crop December cotton up 102 points, 81.46 cents. The wheat market closed higher. USDA rating the wheat crop this week 53% good to excellent, 17% poor to very poor. Of course, that's nationwide ratings. Our ratings here in Texas don't look nearly that good. We close with July Kansas City wheat up six cents, five ninety-two and three quarters. July Chicago wheat up two and a quarter, six thirty-three and a half. A nice gain in the corn market, especially on old crop. May corn up eleven cents, five eighty a bushel. September corn up ten, five seventeen and three quarters. December corn up seven and three quarters, five oh four and a quarter. In the energy markets, May natural gas up six cents, two sixty-two. May crude oil up fifty-five at sixty twenty-five a barrel. The financial markets mixed. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down seventy-five points, thirty-three thousand six seventy. The Nasdaq up a hundred twenty-four at thirteen thousand nine seventy-four. The S&P five hundred up twelve at four thousand one forty. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up yet another edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us, and don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.